Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Girl, real talk. This whole, it's a new year, time to reinvent myself trash is not the vibe for 2024. You can find someone who loves you for you, as you are. You don't need to read a stack of self-help books, only eat sad salads, or like start meditating at 5 a.m. to be ready for dating. So yeah, my advice is to download Bumble and find someone who embraces you the way you are right now. Let me know how it goes. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Big box retailers led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a bill in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. Senate Bill 1838 would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, visit handsoffmyrewards.com and tell them to oppose credit card routing legislation paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Yeah, that it's bliss. It's fucking bliss. That's why I do it is like, it's amazing. It's a, a, it's an opening. It's, it's a drug for sure. And even if there's, you know, there's no one present, but like my brain's exploded. Like who the fuck doesn't want that? I'm Jordan Kissner, author of the essay collection, Thin Places. And this is Thresholds, a weekly series of conversations with writers and artists about moments of epiphany or transformation that changed their lives and their work. A moment that they stepped across, like a threshold, into something new. And the way that experience changed everything they wrote afterward. 
an exciting week for me. Today, we get to air an interview with Amy Fusselman, who is one of my favorite writers. I ran across her work for the first time several years ago, maybe seven or eight years ago, when someone pressed a copy of her book, Eight, into my hands. That's the number eight. And since then, I've just been a huge admirer of her work, partly because it's kind of hilariously hard to describe. Uh, For example, Eight is a nonfiction book or maybe you would call it a long lyric essay about figure skating, the boredom of early parenthood, repetitive tasks, trauma, and the transcendent resilience of children. Her book, Idiophone, also nonfiction, is about the Nutcracker Ballet and publishing and two mice in a sports car and her mother. These books are funny. They are smart. They are wild rides. Most recently, Amy has written a novel, which is her first work of fiction. It's called The Means, and it came out a few weeks ago. And The Means is about a woman who lives in New York and decides that she wants to have a house in the Hamptons, even though she and her family absolutely don't have the kind of money that you would need for that. The book is about desire and money and status and so many other things. And you'll hear that the conversation Amy and I have touches on the novel, but it also swings around pretty widely. Like her books, it's about a lot of different things, from her experiments with stand-up comedy, to embodiment, to the shipping container home she herself built on the beach. Enjoy. I was really into McSweeney's, of course, when it was, you know, starting on the internet because it was just so completely different and um, exciting and yeah, and felt so fresh. And so I was, you know, very much like fangirling over the site and, and what was happening there. And so when they put this bizarre sounding um, thing up about, you know, we want one of you to write, a, uh, you know, write a proposal for a book about electrical engineering on boats, I was like, I'm I'm winning that contest. (laughs) I'm, I'm gonna, and I, I have like, I'm good at, um, I don't know. I used to like, this is, you know, in the stone age, like I would listen to the radio and they would have like, you'd have to be a caller or something. I'm, I'm good at like responding to sort of general calls. I feel like that's, you know, it felt like for some reason, it just felt like something I could do. So, um, I was in this period of, I was, my father was, was in intensive care. I was back at home, um, and with my mother and I just started emailing, you know, stalker, like I'm sure, um, about my dad, about, uh, his experience in the Navy, about like all this stuff. And finally, um, I did, I heard back and they were like, yeah, you should go ahead and, you know, write that book. It wasn't like you won. It was just like, yeah, why don't you, why don't you try? You're clearly, you've got something to say, like, you know, why don't you try to write that? And, um, it was such a, I mean, it really was, you know, one of those things of like getting permission from a gatekeeper. It felt like, like I could try to write for publication. Um, yeah, it was a big deal. And then of course I was terrified. Like what? I don't have anything to say about this. What? (laughs) so I had to you know like figure it figure that out but um I'm good at knocking on doors I feel and that was kind of a that was a door that opened amazingly because there's been so many millions of doors of course that don't open so it was a miracle 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Big box retailers, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a bill in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. Senate Bill 1838 would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, visit handsoffmyrewards.com and tell them to oppose credit card routing legislation paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. There was still in my mind like a space to fail. Like I could write it and they could just say no thanks. You know, I mean, I, I tried to take the pressure off myself by saying that, like that it was still a space for experimentation. Like it was still, it wasn't like they were firing up the Xerox, you know, that it was going to go immediately into the world, that it was still, I still had some, you know, leeway. I guess that's how I, that's how I made it doable for myself. Cause otherwise I'm sure I just would have been paralyzed. Um, yeah. So I, I told myself it was, you know, I, I don't know. I found that to be kind of a, a good, uh, technique, mental technique, just all my life of like, yeah, well, we'll just, you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's, you know, who knows who the fuck knows? Like nobody cares. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm actually like really into that as an, a creative approach. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a really a really free and therefore really good way to write a book is to feel like I'm just going to be driven by not by some anticipated reader or by some notion that I have of the market or like any of that, but Mm -hmm. rather just like, what is, what is this fun thing that I'm playing with? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's been, that's just really important for me to try to hold on to because if it's not fun for me, then what's the point, you know, or if it's not a risk for me, then a risk in the a creative risk, not like if I, if it feels like homework, like I just freeze, I'm like a deer in the headlights. I just can't, you know, the second it feels um, like, Oh God, I have to write an outline. Like I just want to kill myself and stop. <laughs> I mean, I say that lightly, of course, but yeah, I did stand up for a while, which was completely like humiliating on so many levels. And, um, but so instructive and so useful. Um, Tell me, how did you get into that? Well, I th- I feel like it was sort of the process of thinking about writing humor, wanting to write funny, and I was like, I don't I don't really even understand. I re- I realized like the depth of my ignorance was so intense. Like what is a joke? I don't even get it. Like I'm I sort of like the second somebody tells me they're going to tell me a joke, it's like I shut down. I'm just like not funny. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I see it coming. It's dumb. I'm like how the fuck am I supposed to write about this when I fu- like nothing is funny? Like what's wrong with me? And but it's not like I don't laugh when I see stuff on you know, when I watch comedy specials or I go to see comedy or certainly with, you know, there's writers I love who are funny. So what is the deal? And um, so I just started, I wanted to think about it and it seemed like taking classes was a good idea. So I learned a lot about um, like what a joke is or what it, you know, what it, the, the traditional structures and, you know, how people approach stand up. And um, I mean, I... I got through it enough to, I, you know, I did perform and I, to feel what it was like. And, um, I think the, the big thing was it's, it was a lot in my, in, in, in many ways, it was a lot like figure skating in a sense of, which is what my, um, sport background was in the sense that 
you know, you prepare, 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 prepare for a performance that looks supposedly, you know, like you're doing it in the moment to this music, like you're having a spontaneous response to the music, you're having something that's, you know, occurring in time. And it's so friggin' it's choreographed, of course, to the, you know, an inch of its life. And um, I, I like the I like the appearance of um, the appearance of spontaneity, but the but the structure behind it is, in terms of the performing, was kind of painful. I feel like this is a very long winded answer, but wait, no, there are so many things I want to want to <laughs> ask you now, because um, I I feel well. First, I want to know like what a joke is. Did they tell you what a joke is? Well, like. Yeah. I mean, they had to because my my instructor literally was just like eye rolling like Amy, like what the he was like, what the fuck? You're writing paragraphs. You're writing a this is not a paragraph is not a joke. It's a setup and a punchline setup and punchline. You know what I mean? Like for the, for the purpose, of course, there's a million comedians who go like who, you know go on and on. And I'm thinking of the aristocrats now, like the famous joke that's just like complete <laughs> pornograph, like pages and pages of pornography. But like, you know, in terms of our class, it was like, why does the chicken cross the road? You know, like to get to the, I mean, you had to sort of understand that as the foundational structure of what a joke is and then, and sort of the misdirect and like how you're leading people. Like my, my, the first instructor I had, who is like the one I connected to the most was often would, would use boxing imagery which i loved also was like you're 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 setting people up you know you're you're leading their eye one way and then you're hitting them you know with your with your right hook like the other way and it was like yeah you're beating up you're beating up your listener like you you i mean it's aggressive comedy is aggressive and that was interesting for me to learn as well so then how did that, because some of the way that you're describing learning stand-up and the, you know, like the rigor of trying to figure out how to construct it and perform it and get your beats right, but then wanting it to feel really spontaneous mm-hmm. reminds me a lot of your writing, mm-hmm. um, which I find really funny. Um, so it's funny that you were, I mean, maybe maybe the stand-up lessons did exactly what you wanted them to do, which is to, <laughs> you know, sort out humor in, in, in your writing. Um, do you like, do you think of how, how much does that kind of language of, of stand up like work its way into the, to the way that you write or set up beats in your writing now? Like the means is so funny. Oh, thank. I mean, I'm grateful to hear that just because that was like part of the, you know, that was my hope just that readers would connect with it on that level. Um, that they would say it was funny, which was something that I don't feel like my other, you know, stuff I've written is I find it funny, but it's like not, you know, ha ha funny. It's sort of like, well, that's an interesting aside, but it, you know, it's not, it wasn't overtly something I was trying to do. So this time I actually tried to do it. So it, it gratifies me to hear that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I did learn, I just learned so much about, uh, what the what the expectations were i think it was just something it was almost like i was i had been approaching humor like intuitively knowing that i loved it but not knowing why or how it was made and so a lot of the work around the means was really about like trying to really examine what made me laugh why i do love you know comedy i do love the stuff that feels offhand i i do love when i feel a performer is 
um, doing something that's completely improvised. I mean, that's just magical. And you do, I mean, that is a big part of stand up. is like those, you know, there's men and women or, you know, people who do crowd work and it's completely off the cuff and it's amazing. Um, I love that stuff. And as a writer, as somebody who, you know, sits in my rooms and like rearranges sentences for three years, like, <laughs> it's like, that's the fantasy, I suppose that, um, you know, I could go and do something like that when in fact, I just like work like a fucking, like a gnome, you know, in my hobbit hole <laughs> and then like emerge. It's so like looping back to the thing you were saying about having been a figure skater, which you wrote about and, and, and this thing about dance, it's like, it's so writing is so unphysical in a way. Mm -hmm. Like it's so, or at least whatever you're doing in terms of communication with some imagined audience is so not about your own particular body and space, as Mm -hmm. opposed to figure skating or sports or dance or even stand up was like, is pretty physical in mm-hmm. terms of its communication style. Mm-hmm. How do you, does that bother you about writing? Like, are you trying to kind of, uh, like what's your relationship with your body and physical expression when it comes to? That's a great question. I mean, I do feel like it's, uh, um, it's still informed by that. And that it's, it's, uh, I definitely approach writing as a, as a performance. And I feel like that's what made me interested in your background also is that I was like, wow, she's a performer. Um, I, I do feel that people who have that approach tend to be writers whose work I enjoy. If I can, if I am like, oh, they, ha-, you know, they have that understanding or they're coming from that framework. I don't know why I think it's, you know, probably, I mean, I do have some ideas why, but um, I, I just like that. I like that uh, consciousness, I think, of, you know, that awareness between the writer and the audience. And there's something, too, about that whole idea. And this feels, it feels gendered also about, like, you know, your book is your baby. And, like, here's the, here's the, you know, that has bothered me in the sense that it's, like, it's not, I mean... (laughs) I've had three children and I can tell you that a book is not a baby. There's nothing fucking like a book is nothing like a baby. Nothing. Um, it's, I mean, you know, that, but the idea of like, you know, we're writers and we think with, and it's all in our brains and then we produce these amazing, you know, I get it. I get the, uh, the imagery, but um, it's the disembodiment of writing is, heartbreaking in some ways like maybe next time around in my next life I'll be a tap dancer I don't know yeah I know I find (laughs) it heartbreaking too I really do and because I think that you know it was never something I I wanted to be a right well is that uh, that's maybe not true it was it was not I did not grow up thinking I want to be a writer Mm mm-hmm Right. Who the fuck? <laughs> I know. What kind of loser thinks that? Not like, you know, it's when sometimes I feel like, oh man, there's something wrong with me because so many people who do this have been wanting mm-hmm. to do this since they were teeny tiny. Right. And I always really liked, probably because I'm a ham, I always really liked the <laughs> idea of being like, perform, of being looked at as mm. a, as a, um, which is, 
I feel like weird saying because it sounds and no. is like totally egotistical of being like the six year old who's like, I want to be a movie star. But <laughs> I think, but I think that something that I really loved, like came to genuinely love when I started figuring, you know, acting in school plays and then wanting to to sort of train to do that is how vulnerable and exciting it is to, to have just yourself mm. and your voice and your body in front of an audience and your imagination in front of an audience and how you need like all of those things to exert, to sort of create, create an energy that can bring a bunch of people, probably many of whom are tired and don't really want to be there. Ding, um, ding, ding. To yes. like bring them along with you. Mm-hmm. And how much of that has to do is is a physical, <laughs> like is a physical act and um requires this total immediate like response, responsiveness. Like you have to be so and I imagine I've never done stand-up because oh my God, that sounds terrifying. But I imagine it's the same, which is like you have to be so present in every capacity, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you know, in every single, every single like cell of your, of of who you are has to be on call and responsive. And that is such a fun, interesting way Mm. of being with other people. And so it totally breaks my heart that writing does not require all of that. But it does. It does. And I feel like when you say that, I I love that you're saying that because I feel like you understand that. Like, I know this is true. I'm, I'm gonna, I feel this is true for you in that when you're writing at your, you know, when you're really flowing or whatever the hell you want to say, you, you have that awareness. You, your consciousness is open like that. You're open in the way that like, a performer on stage in the present is. It's like, I feel like I can, you know, when I'm reading, like those are the things, that is the, the awareness I'm looking for, that type of consciousness. It, it is heartbreaking that we have to do it like on the couch, you know, with the dog and not, <laughs> and not at Carnegie Hall, but um, we're still there and we're still bringing it, you know? I don't know. That's what I think. Yeah, what does that feel like? to you when that's when that's happening. Well, I feel like I mean yeah, that it's bliss. It's fucking bliss. What um, you know, what other that's why I do it is like it's amazing. It's a, a, it's an opening. It's it's a drug for sure. Um and even if there's, you know, there's no one present but like my brain's exploded. Like who the fuck doesn't want that? Yeah. Yeah. The brain, the brain, the brain exploding is, is pretty good. Even if the dog is like not your, even if the dog is not the ideal uh, companion. She's the mascot. She's like, you go. Yeah. Quietly. She's the witness. Yeah. something that you've written a lot about in your books, whether it's like your history as a figure skater or learning to ride a motorcycle or, I mean, Idiophone is so much about ballet. 
um, it just feels like the the body is kind of all over your books mm-hmm. in these unusual ways. Yeah, I I think that's true. And I would say that's, you know, it's about like, because I had to leave the body behind. <laughs> I mean, as in as a writer, you know, it is it's a loss. It's a grief. Like, um, I I don't I don't want to be I don't want to disparage my comrade writers, but I don't want to um, be a writer who's all up in my head. Like, it's important to me that the body, especially you know, as a woman and knowing what my body is, you know, the problem the that my my body is a quote problem or my body is a you know all the ways it's being policed and whatever like i feel like it's important to show up with my i mean this isn't absurd this is completely absurd i feel like it's important to show up with my body <laughs> in my completely disembodied work yeah that that's that's the kind of writer i am do you look to other writers when you think of like models for how you want to do that or are you looking at well, I mean, Annie B. Parsons is also a writer, but is yes. a choreographer. You know, are you, who are you looking to when you make when you have your models for how you want to be showing up as a writer? Well, I I mean, there's certainly there's like people whose work I adore and that I teach, but like I do try when I'm working on something new to like kind of put blinders on in the sense that I want to. Um, listen to my own impulse like really fully i really try not to drag other influences in um unless it feels germane to the piece like i don't know i get really um hermetic i suppose and because i'm interested in what i can bring up that feels original and um organic to me that sounds so like highfalutin, but that's how I feel about it. That makes sense. I mean, uh, something that I really like about, I really like about your writing is that it feels very much like it's, like it's suiting itself. Mm. But you've also written a lot about like then the feeling of frustration at, and I'm thinking of Idiophone here, the frustration at like, then also wanting Mm-hmm. big like big readership and market you know like the the issue the sort of the conflict of of wanting to make stuff that completely suits yourself and is is it's it is original and also then the frustration of feeling like well that you know when you mm-hmm. make books that are hard to categorize then the market finds it hard to categorize them right yeah right yeah can't have it both ways yeah I mean you can but like I don't know. Idiophone was so um, like such a joy and just, you know, letting all just like really swinging for the fences in terms of letting myself see how far out I could go. And um, that was one of the things that emerged, you know, was that it's hard. Um, I think because I felt like I had like I had explored that kind of lyric um, construction with that book, like as much as I felt like I I could at this time, I wanted, I really wanted the means to have a really different structure. I wanted it to feel like a column, you know, like idiophone sort of like each line, every line like felt like it could be a portal 
it's somewhere else if I let it. Like, I really wanted you to feel in the means that you were going down a slide, you know, that there was no, um, that there wasn't that kind of energy of those tendrils, that it was just kind of like hurtling along. It was, you know, I mean, how you don't get to write that many books in your life. Um, I'm in my 50s. I mean, how many will I have left? I don't know. So I feel like every time I want it to be uh, a joy, you know, something, an ex- exploration, like, what's the point, you know? This is your, why fiction this time? Well, it was part of that thing of, well, it's the dominant form. Like, what the hell is it? You know, <laughs> what the hell is it? What is this thing these people keep doing over there with their, I don't know. And it, it also felt like Idiophone was, I took this baby step of throwing these like mice in it. You know, these mice who I actually like grew kind of fond of by the end, like sort yeah, of. Wait, maybe let me pause you. Can you, how would you just, cause I, either I in this intro or you here now might need to give a quick ex- mm. like description of what idiophone is. And I trust you better than I trust <laughs> myself. <laughs> so will you, will you pause and just describe this book? Sure. Idiophone is a, um, an essay that, uh, explores the nut, the experience of, in many ways, it's about, it's about writing. It's an essay about writing an essay, but it's also an essay about creativity. It's an essay about, um, mothering. It's an essay about repetition. It's about an essay about being stuck. Um, but the form of it is also, it's like, I wrote it like two inches from my face. Like it's very like hyper magnified. Like each word is, um, even though it's not poetic in the sense that I'm showing you my vast, uh, you know, repertoire of language and my like $12 words. I use the same basic words like many times to sort of underscore that feeling of, of being stuck in language almost in the same way that um, every year for a decade or more, I've been going to see the Nutcracker at Lincoln Center. And through repeated viewings, I just was like, this ballet is fucking insane. Like, why do we, why do we have this insane holiday tradition and what are they doing on stage? And um, the whole thing is uh, it's really, I love it. I love that essay. It's bananas. It's, it's an essay as opposed to a novel. So what did you find? Like when you jumped in to say like, okay, what the hell, you know, here's, what is the novel? What is this thing that everybody's mm-hmm. doing over there? What did you, did you like it? What'd you, what'd you find in that, in that swimming pool? <laughs> exactly. Well, it's more that, um, the not, I mean, this again was similar to like my, my, uh, crash course in joke writing, which was like a novel has a structure. Um, it was, it felt apt to me to be writing about building a house because a novel is like a house very much in the sense that, um, at least for a baby novelist like myself, it was like, okay, it needs to have a beginning, <laughs> a middle and an end. You know what I mean? Like the, there has to be like some, you know, plot points, people have to do shit, you know, they don't necessarily have to, you know, change or, you know, we learned something today, but it, you know, you have to go somewhere that is a real thing. So just all that, I, um, 
all that uh, thinking about structure and and building and supporting and th- that was all to ha- I mean I thought more about those things with this piece than I have for any other book so it was really I learned a lot I'll put it that way Did you like it like would you do it again I think I would do it again yeah I would see like the the mice in idiophone were sort of like the first time I had ever brought something in that was truly made up and by the end of the writing I was really fond of them and what they were doing. And I thought, well, that's sort of like a baby step in terms of fiction. Like, do mice driving sports cars exist? No, I made them up. You know, if I can do that, I can, I can do more. You know what I mean? It was like, it was like, I, I, I gave, I gave myself permission with that. It was like, okay, you know, here's a character. It has a name. It drives a car. You're halfway there, you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's a mouse. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It says shit. What the fuck? How hard can this be? (laughs) The ideas that you're kind of turning over in the memes, in a way, also feel like pretty obliquely, but they felt to me related to some of the things you were writing about in Idiophone, which is about like this. This novel is a novel about money and Mm. desire and like somebody's pretty tortured relationship yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. um why like where did that come from for you right now yeah well I did um I do have a beach house made out of shipping containers which I'm sitting in right now oh my god yeah (laughs) and and so but it you know the process of it like uh Frank and I built this had the you know place and it was not um interesting it was just like i mean it was interesting sort of but like you know it wasn't um i don't know what to say i wasn't like super it wasn't super consuming but i could see it as i was beginning to like this book started with the desire to write like write this feeling of a slide you know or of like a straight forward funny thing and I could see that it could there were like many parts of this that were hilarious even though I wasn't experiencing them in my life as hilarious that the whole thing was pretty fucking hilarious like it could it had it could be played as you know for a comic premise so I started to play with the idea of it as a comic premise and then I just went from there the the idea of these this family and in particular this woman who gets yeah. fixated on on making a a house in the Hamptons out of shipping containers right and that sh- then then it became like I want to stuff like every possible thing about money I possibly can into this you know like I just wanted it to be about the insanity of money and it became that became it became like a scaffolding to hang these things on a lot of people don't want to write about money either because they just like find mostly often because they find it depressing as opposed to finding (laughs) it funny you know what I mean oh yeah but you're writing about money in this way that is funny and definitely absurd right well I I do I mean it's tragic it's fucking it's horrible but I like the thing that was freeing about 
this narrator is that, you know, she's insane. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, but like, you know, many of us are about when we want whatever we want, you know? Um, I mean, and she, she gave me license to kind of really explore this, you know, the, the absurdities and the, um, you know, also just the, the weird, like whitewashing we do of like, with how we consume, it's like, you know, it's, I mean, I don't know, is it ethical to, for, to even have a second home? I'm sitting in it now. And I would have, I'd say I'm not, it probably not, you know, (laughs) it doesn't matter that it's built out of garbage. And, you know, like, um, it, it's probably not, you know what I mean? Like, I wanted to explore that. Yeah. It will always be beautiful to me to see people explore their blind spots. Like, um, like what comedy does, like the aims of comedy is all is, you know, I feel like comedy has been so effective in this time right now because it's the form that most directly addresses lies in public, you know? Mm. Um, it's, it's been on, comedy has been on our political situation relentlessly, you know, from the get go in a way that I feel like fiction had, I mean, no other form in my view has been able to address our climate like comedy has. And, um, that will, those things of that, the thing that writing does that it can approximate someone's consciousness that you can watch someone open their mind, that you can change. I mean, this is, you know, like the golden, I mean, this almost never happens, but you can affect people's thinking with writing. And that will always be like, you know, the pinnacle for me. It's it's beautiful. It's always beautiful to see, to find the truth, even when you look like a complete asshole or... Um, you know, truth is beautiful. It's a spiritual law. Yeah. Thresholds is produced by Drew Broussard. Music and editing by Laura Faye Oshenwood of Arthur Moon. Our art is by Lorelai Grossman. Special thanks to Justin Alvarez and our hosts at LitHub Radio. You can find out more about our show, listen to past episodes, and get in touch at our website. This is thresholds.com. If you're listening to this on a podcast platform and you haven't already subscribed, please subscribe. Or you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you normally listen, and subscribe and review us there. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com.
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.